0: I want to invite you to open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we are bringing to a close today this series of messages that we've called The Standard. It's been a really... um, I I just just say it's been a fun series for me personally. Enjoyable series. Uh, And the reason is... Because of what I have learned from you, what I have heard from some of you, even the inspiration for um, pressing ahead and doing this series was something God used you and speaking to me. And so when I've been standing here, I've been sharing things with you that I'm, I'm like people i'm coming to church with are saying these things as well and we're talking about the standard of giving really believing that there's a challenge from the lord to the life of our church to raise our standard of giving the days ahead the months ahead the years ahead and and looking to see what god's word has to say about that and how have some of you played into that several weeks ago in a conversation with a young man in our church a father husband here he was talking about the process of deciding about a new job and he said pastor cause we we made our decision what helped us was that we were going to be able to continue the same standard of giving I thought he said living came back to that I said say that again and he said yeah we are real conviction about our giving and we didn't want to get in a position where our standard of giving would change and it really challenged my heart it became something for several weeks that just thinking about praying about uh, learning from and hearing a guy say that that was how he was making some job decisions And then another man in our church who said to me with passion in his voice, Pastor Carlos, our church family needs to know the joyful experience of giving. They need to know the joy of it. And I'm sitting here as the preacher just thinking in my mind, you preach, preach, man. That's, That's good. That's helpful to me. And then I think about something that happened a couple of weeks ago. I made reference in the service to uh, the widow's mite and how Jesus commended the woman who came and he said she gave her all and she placed the uh, two widow's mites, we would call them, into the offering. And on the way out, a man in our church that I had just recently met, he came by me and he opened up his Bible and he pulled out something that looked kind of like a microscope slide, it was a little white square with plastic in the center, and he said, here, I want you to have this, and he had dated it, written uh, the the date on it and what it was on it, and he handed it to me, it was in that little case a a widow's mite, a coin there, and he said, I've carried this in my Bible as a reminder of God's giving and my giving, I want you to have that, it was Inspiring to me to just see that kind of thinking was going on in the room. And then last Sunday, um, uh, a lady stood in front of me out in the commons and she just patted herself on the chest. She said, Pastor, don't ever, don't ever apologize to us for calling us to give. The joy is ours to give. And I and I've listened to those stories and they've stirred my heart, they've encouraged me, and they've helped me see that this isn't just me coming to you, that it's you coming to me as something I believe the Spirit of the Lord is doing in us to help us evaluate our own personal and our church's corporate standard of giving. We we began, if you've been with us, maybe you notice we began like with the Trinity and seeing how giving is wrapped up in the work of the trinity we we began the very first week and we talked about the standard of giving that god established and the standard of giving that god established is tied to the teaching of his word that shows us that all things belong to him and all things come from him And that truth from God's word establishes for us the foundation of everything that we do, say, think, uh, about giving and generosity. He owns it all and he has provided it all. We serve in this world not as owners but as stewards when it comes to what we have in our possession. It's the standard God established. And then we looked at his word and talked about the standard Jesus taught. Jesus taught a lot about giving we see him teaching about giving in the words that he spoke and then we saw it in the ways that he served and ultimately we see we see it in the wounds he suffered and he gave his life he suffered crucifixion and died took on himself the iniquity of every sinner he atoned for sin by grace through faith we're able to become rich By believing and trusting in Christ as Lord and Savior, He taught us what it looks like to give. And then Joel spoke about the standard of giving that the Holy Spirit enables. And then last week I spoke to you about the standard of giving that we need, that believers need. And what is that? I need a standard of giving in my life that breaks my hold on possessions. I need a standard of giving in my life that builds my faith. I need a standard of of giving that blesses my circle around me and I need a standard of giving that banks my treasure in eternity. And today I want to speak to you finally wrapping up this series on the standard of giving that ministry requires. The standard of giving that ministry requires. Now I want to, Pray before we read the text. and let's, let's pray together. Father, I bow before you, and I want to ask you for your work before we ever read the Scripture this morning. Our confidence is in you. Our confidence is in your promises that your word is alive and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. Our confidence is in you that your word is useful. Our confidence is in you, Holy Spirit, that you convict and comfort, you change us, transform us. And you, as we read the word, Lord, let it be clear. Holy Spirit, be our teacher. Let it be convicting and encouraging and strengthening and bring us health and specifically and... What you have preserved for us until this day on this subject of generosity and giving, Holy Spirit, would you do what we need? Show us, um, God, what you want in this area. And I pray you'd find us faithful. In Jesus' name, amen. Look look in First Corinthians chapter 8. I'm sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 8. I don't know if... Second Corinthians, that's, that's chapter 8. That's what I'm sticking with, all right? That's where we're starting. Verse 1. We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Let me say here, you're going to see this interchange between the word grace and how it's applied to giving. And it's like Paul is using the word grace to describe their act of giving. He says, I want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Now listen, look this way. When you, if you travel to the eastern part of our world and you try to find the churches of Macedonia, there are not... Uh, places that you can go finding the same group of people just their grandkids on down the line however many still meeting there you can find regions and areas and artifacts where they believe they met but we have here written testimony of those churches in Macedonia and what an amazing testimony imagine a hundred years from now a thousand years from now if the Lord Jesus doesn't return and there's a testimony written about Watkinsville what would be said here's what was said about the churches at Macedonia they were in a severe test of affliction they were suffering because of their faith and then it says that there was an abundance of joy in them and then he adds and their extreme poverty so they're suffering affliction but they have abundant joy but they have extreme poverty, but it overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. What an amazing testimony. Supernatural testimony that would be recorded about them that in the midst of poverty and suffering, there was abundant joy and overflowing generosity. For they gave according to their means as I can testify and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, so he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also." I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. There's the great exchange right there. That is the story. Jesus, who was rich, left heaven, took on flesh. He became poor. He humbled himself. For our sake so that you and I could become rich with spiritual blessings that last for eternity. You and I could become rich in grace and mercy and forgiveness. Look on in chapter 8. Look, Move to chapter 9, verse 1. Now it is superfluous for me to write to you about the ministry for the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the saints. For I know your readiness of which I boast about you to the people of Macedonia, saying that Achaia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers so that our boasting about you may not prove empty in this matter, so that you may be ready as I said you would be. Otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you for being so confident. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go on ahead to you and arrange in advance for the gift you have promised, so that it may be ready as a willing gift, not as an exaction. The point is this. the standard of giving that ministry requires. What is ministry? What is the ministry? The word ministry has to do with serving. We use ministry to describe what we're about as a church. Uh, We do ministry. We're, We're involved in ministry. We're serving others with a goal, with a purpose, with a mission. What is that? It's to make wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Where does that come from? We live as a church under a great commission. Jesus has commissioned us to do something. He says, Matthew 28, you know it, probably can quote it by heart. He he says to us that all power in heaven and earth has been given to him, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, the Holy Spirit, And teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded. And lo, I'm with you even until the end of the age. That is our mission. That is our ministry. That is what we're about as a church. That's what we're doing when we uh, serve others. The ultimate goal is for them to know Christ, follow Christ, know what he taught, live for him. Well, when you look through God's word, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you've got the story of Jesus. Those Gospels announce the birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The letters, they apply the birth, life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The book of Revelation alerts us to this Jesus Christ return in his rule and his reign. And that whole story... Is the story that you and I have to live by, to know. It's the story that we have to share with others and to tell others. And so the ministry that we're a part of as a church is just the the carrying out of people knowing Jesus, growing in Jesus, and going to tell others about Jesus. Well, a part of taking that message to the world, a part of doing ministry... To others in the world, a part of fulfilling that mission involves how it is supported. And what we do in our giving underpins the the going of doing that mission. It allows for us, our generous giving enables us to fulfill that mission in a very practical way. There is no one letter in God's Word that specifically addresses giving. But what you find as you read through, especially the letters of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, is he talks about what Jesus did and applies what Jesus did. And he he talks about growing in Christ and knowing Christ and taking that to the world, almost kind of just, Right below all of that is this very practical thing that's going on in all of those letters. And it's churches giving to meet needs of others, to show camaraderie with others, to fund ministry for others. You see, usually it shows up toward the end of one of Apostle Paul's letters. It's woven into a conversation about uh, his experience of interacting with people. One of the consistent things about the missionary journeys that the Apostle Paul went on was that he was involved in collecting an offering that he in turn would take back to Jerusalem to show them that believers, the Gentile believers in other places, were, were a part of the same faith on the same mission, but also to meet the needs of believers back in Jerusalem. Back just a few pages, 1 Corinthians chapter 16. And we think of Corinthians being about a lot of things. It's a letter that talks about spiritual gifts. It's a letter that gives us this definition of love. It's a, it's a letter that deals with conflict in the church. It's a letter that talks about the resurrection of Jesus and us rising again and having life after death. But you get to the last chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 verse 1. The Apostle Paul says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. And when I arrive, I will send those whom you accredit by letter to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable that I should go also, they will accompany me. Just a practical glimpse into the life of the church. He's, he's taught and he's taught and he's taught. He comes down to the end and he says, remember, I'm on my way there. Be prepared when I get there with the offering having already been received. It was like he said, I don't want to get there and start saying, now let's, let's, let's get an offering together plan for it, look ahead, put a little bit back each week so that uh, we can take it to Jerusalem. We'll put a letter with those who take it, letting them know where it's from and making sure everything's above board. I mean, he was really looking at the practical side of providing through these gifts. Well, you you see that unfold in several letters. He speaks of um, how... The offering would be used. He talks in other letters about how those who teach the word are supposed to be supported. It's it just it's a theme running through that there is giving that's a part of making ministry move forward. So let me answer this question. What standard of giving is required for ministry to take place? Four words. First is Generous. You see that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 when he's speaking to the church at Macedonia. He he lays out this description and he's like, you guys were suffering, there was joy. You You were in extreme poverty, but it overflowed with a wealth of generosity. But he moves on and he describes that wealth of generosity. He says, you gave according to your means, but you went beyond that. And isn't that what generosity is? Generosity is us looking at our life and not doing what's expected, but it's having a life that does more than what's expected, and that's what he commends the church at Macedonia Far, He says they gave according to their means, but beyond their means. What, what, what is this? Look at verse 4. Begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. It was like Paul was saying, if I hadn't have brought it up, you were bringing it up. You begged us to give. I'm, 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 I look at that and I'm like, All right, am I that kind of beggar? Uh, we, we can. They were begging to give. It's evidence of supernatural work in their life. He says, and, and, and it goes beyond that. It's not what we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. He shows a picture here of a, of a standard of giving. The only way you can describe it is just generous, more than expected. He, he challenged them in the last, verse 7. He says, but as you excel in everything, faith, speech, knowledge, we, we can get on board with that. Yes, Lord, I want to excel in faith. I want to grow in my faith. I want to be strong in my faith. I want to excel in my speech. I want to be an encourager. I want to honor you, glorify you. He says, I want you to see that you excel in this act of grace also. What act of grace? This act of giving. And he he shows this picture of how grace that has come to us, to our heart and life through Jesus, shows up in us giving grace to others through our giving. Nothing, nothing, um, it's not based on you earned it, you worked for it. It's grace from him becomes grace to others through us. There's a standard of giving for ministry that is generous. Second is faithful. There's a standard of giving required for ministry that can be described as faithful. When he spoke in 2 Corinthians chapter 16, he gave this picture of faithful planning. He says, before I ever get there, just week after week after week, according to to your possession, set some aside. For us to do ministry in the life of our church, it's not a one-month event. It's not a one-day event. It's an all-year-long event. For us to do ministry as a church, it's more than just a Giving Tuesday. It's It's a life of giving. It's a faithfulness to giving. Probably somewhere in your life you've had somebody you would describe maybe in a grief setting. Talking about a grandparent or talking about a parent or a brother or sister or friend and say they were so faithful to serve. They were so faithful to pray. They were so faithful in their church attendance. Somewhere you'll hear somebody say they were a faithful giver. Several minutes this morning between services, someone talked to me about in there, like she said, as you talked about that this morning, all I could think about was the testimony of my dad. And that was his life. He was just a faithful giver. And I bring that up for us to kind of turn that around and just think about in our own life, how would we be described, would, would Carlos be described as a generous, faithful giver? Third is disciplined. There's some things that we do in our life that builds our devotion to Christ that we do just out of discipline. It is discipleship, it is us following Christ, and we just repeat it over and over again. We read the Word, we, we, we pray, we gather in worship, we practice Sabbath, we fast. Those are spiritual disciplines. Giving also is a spiritual discipline. And what happens is we faithfully and generously give on and over and over and over. We build into our life a discipline that produces fruit and produces growth. And fourth is a beautiful description of the standard that's required and it's cheerful. It's cheerful. In chapter 8, no, chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 7. Chapter 9, verse 7, 2 Corinthians. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I don't know how this message is hitting you right now, Here's the, here's, the, here's the beautiful thing of this. If I'm making you feel guilty, and if you believe that you're getting anxious here about giving because I'm putting pressure on you, and you know, guess what? Be free. Don't give. Don't respond to that. It's the beautiful picture that he shows here. Uh, talking to this church at Corinth is that here's what you must give you give what you've decided in your heart how do you make a decision in your heart you you pray about it you listen to the Lord maybe seek counsel from others you've walked with the Lord and you know what it means to be at peace before the Lord And 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 the Lord moves on your heart, and he said, This is this is what I give. I'm gonna give according to my heart. And he says, not reluctantly, or under compulsion. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Don't give by law. Don't miss this. Where did we start? All the way back at the beginning of chapter eight. And he began by saying, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. It's such a beautiful picture here because he doesn't say, we want you to know brothers about how the church at Macedonia kept the law. He said, I want you to know about the church at Macedonia, how they operated in grace and what they were doing in their giving was not a matter of checking the box of law. It was a matter of them showing their heart. And when their giving was from their heart, not reluctantly, not under compulsion, The result of that was cheerful giving. Cheerful giving. God loves a cheerful giver. I'm hoping that in these five weeks of dealing with these messages, it's been my prayer that at no point would you feel a sense of guilt that originates with me. I don't want there's, I don't want you thinking in any way that I'm lording it over you or pounding on you about giving. I'm saying, let's read the word, let's pray the word, let's see what he's doing and what he says to us about generous, faithful, disciplined giving, is it's also to be cheerful giving. Well, when you see those requirements, let me ask a very practical question. What is giving, how does giving work at Watkinsville? How does it work? Just right here as a church family, how does giving work here? Let me give you three very practical descriptions. Number one, your giving is what funds the mission of making wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. I want to say that again. Your giving, I'm included in that. Our, that would be better, our giving is what funds the mission of making wholehearted. Wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a lot of you that are new here. In the last year or two, we don't pass offering baskets in the services right now. We have a there's there's not a time where people are collecting an offering in here. And you're new, and you maybe have seen that in other places, have heard of that in other places, and and you you may be under the impression that there's a rich grandfather sitting. On an island somewhere that's just funding this whole ship. That ain't happening. In fact, I'm told I don't know about 2022. I'm told about 2021 that more than 550 different giving units are represented in the life of our church. Now, there's a lot more of us here than that. But it's a picture to show us that what happens in funding the mission of making wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ is not a one-person show. It's not a one-person fund. We don't have trust funds here. Uh, Watkinsville will be 150 years old in 2030. And so we are relatively an old church, but we don't have old money. And what happens here is that our generous, faithful, disciplined, cheerful giving funds the mission of wholehearted followers of Christ. Now, at universities or seminaries, you have endowments. We don't have endowments. Uh, There's not uh, uh, a a chair of children's ministry here at Watkinsville, there's not a chair of preaching here at Watkinsville. did I say Watkinsville University? I don't know if I said that wrong. I, I, anyway, there's, there's, no, there's one thing that would come close to an endowment, all right? Like, I'm, I'm going deep this morning with you, all right? There's one thing that would kind of be like an endowment. About eight years ago, a man in our church gave uh, a $50,000 gift that we took in turn and put it with the Baptist Foundation of the state of Georgia and it bears interest. And the, it's an open fund, anybody can give to that and it increase, but he gave it, we put it there, and the interest that comes off of that each year is, goes to seminary students to help with their tuition and their books. That's the only thing that we have like that. Everything else that we do is just the generous, faithful, disciplined cheerful giving that happens here week by week by week. Now we, we keep in reserve about two and a half months of our budgeted requirements. For example, our budget in 2022 is $313,000 a month and that um, we look and we say, we wanna just be good stewards, be prepared about two and a half months uh, we keep in reserve that goes up that comes down it goes up and but the goal there is we're saying this think it wise to do that that's not a real far reach but um, that's just uh, our, our way of stewarding the resources that are given so number one you're given is what funds the mission of making wholehearted fathers of Christ number two our giving is prayerfully and carefully dispersed according to a church approved annual budget when a gift is dropped in a box out there on your way out this morning or you mail it or do it online how is that used where does it go well that I, our giving is is It's prayerfully and carefully dispersed according to a church-approved annual budget. Next Sunday night, we will present in church conference a budget for 2023. Listen, that didn't that didn't come up this week. That budget has been prayed over, worked on, put together, redone, put back together, redone for five months. We have worked as a staff and a church leadership team to come to a point of bringing that budget next Sunday night for church approval. And when it's approved, here's what the budget becomes. It becomes a guide for our giving. It guides us. There's no guarantee of a single penny to be given next year. But as money is given, there's a prayerful, careful approach to that money being dispersed with one Purpose, bring glory to God with one mission, make wholehearted followers of Jesus Christ. Now that budget is is divided out in different categories like age divisions. We have children, youth, college, adult, senior adult ministries. There are certain amounts of money that are allotted to be used for those different areas of ministry. There are whole church ministries where monies are uh, allotted to, like worship ministries or fellowship or missions or evangelism, there's administrative costs. You, you, if you, you, you can imagine for people gathering like this, for us to do ministry, there's administrative costs like copiers and fees and computers and mail and postage and all of those things. Where does that come from? It it comes through our giving. Facilities. We have a mortgage payment each month that continues to pay for us having the new facilities that we have and the refurbished facilities that we have. We have maintenance costs, repair costs, cleaning costs, and then a portion of our budget is for staffing. We have 26 people that uh, work part-time or full-time in the ministry of our church. and where Where do those salaries come from? They come from our giving it's a part of it and and I I lay that out just to let you see this the practical piece that just like the practical piece here was an offering being collected to be taken back to Jerusalem to meet some physical needs of believers in Jerusalem as we give that money is used to advance the kingdom fulfill the mission through the life of this church and here's the third thing just real practically you're giving Or our giving is received in person, in the mail, or online. And uh, we have people from time to time say, I don't know how to give there. Well, there we have spots out in the lobby. As you leave where you do that, or you mail it in, or you do it online. And it's just a a practical way of us funding ministry. So where do I begin? Where do I begin? So I want to be a generous, faithful, disciplined cheerful giver. Where do I begin? Let me ask this question. Are there anybody, is there anybody in this room as a college student, this is your last, maybe like your last Sunday. You graduate in December. You're about out of here. Any any college students in the room, you graduate, raise your hand. Any, Any graduating this, how about in May? Anybody graduating in May? Hands high. All right. All right. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. You can trust me. Here's what's going to happen. Most of you will move on from here. And so what I want to say, I'm saying this, and I want to direct it to you as a college student that's looking forward to your first job, maybe your first salary. And, and what I would say to you, the benefit is going to be for the kingdom of God beyond here and for the joy of your own life. And here's where you would start. First job shows up. Make, make Practice priority giving. By that I mean, it's like Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Right at the beginning, it's, you, just, you look at your salary and you say, first thing, right off the top, before I do anything else, I'm going to make it a priority to give to the work of the kingdom. Secondly, percentage giving. So, how, how, Where did I start? I believe that God has given us, as New Testament believers, the tithe as, as, a, as a pattern for giving. It's like training wheels for us. In the Old Testament, it was law. In the New Testament, tithing is not taught as being our, our law of giving. It's not revoked either. And because of that, I think it gives to us the picture in the Old Testament. God's saying, as, as I instruct my people, he, he knew something about what 10% would do in our life. And it's like if he lays in our hand $100, he would say, now give me 10 Said me keep 90? Yeah, you keep 90, you give me 10. Wow. And it becomes a a percentage, a place to start. And and just think, 30 years from now, 40 years from now, if you looked at your life and you were able to say, in my life I invested in the kingdom 10% and beyond all of these years. Practice progressive giving. And that is don't grow stale in your giving. There's so many things you can do, like you can program your giving like you pay your water bill. And you can build it into your life to where you don't even feel it or don't even know it. And and what I want to say to you is evaluate it. Look at it and say, is what I'm doing building my faith? Is what I'm doing breaking the hold of possessions on me? And look and see if there's a new standard that God wants you to move to. And then last is prompted giving. Walk in step with the Spirit and let the Spirit of God prompt you in those moments to give as He prompts you to give. To be able to do that, you've got to plan for it. You've got to build into your budget, build into your life monies that you're saying, Lord, I want to be able to be generous. I want to be able to give. I want to be able to follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we finish today and our band comes, I want to just say to you that, that this, this the most beautiful thing that God has reminded me of in these weeks is this, and that is the most joyful people are always the most generous people. It doesn't, it doesn't say anything about their material worth. It says something about Jesus's value. And as you see people joyful in their relationship with Jesus Christ, you see it again and again, it results in a joyful grace of giving. It's interesting to me when I read through these verses and he's commending the church at the churches of Macedonia, the very first church that I pastor where Carla and I served for eight years, was Macedonia Baptist Church in Cleveland, Tennessee. Every city has one. We pastored Clevelands for eight years. And I was thinking early this morning about the two most joyful families were also the two most generous families. Financially, they were worlds apart in their bottom line. And I think about those two families. For eight years, the testimony for both of those families, the most joyful. There was one guy, this one of the guys, I, every single time I asked him how he was doing, he would respond with the biggest grin. He'd take a deep breath and he'd say, super duper man I want to be around you all the time but he also was the most generous the most joyful people are the most generous people and the reason for that is the joy of Christ and that's where we're going to end this morning let's stand let's sing let's celebrate the joy of Jesus